G'day guys, CB here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chewing the Fat. Today, I had an awesome chat with JY about habits. We discussed forming good habits and breaking bad habits and why this is a hell of a lot more powerful than relying on motivation. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't already. You can find us on Instagram at chewingthefat underscore podcast as well as at CB Physiotherapy and Equinox PS. Hope you enjoy. G'day and welcome to Chewing the Fat with CBJY. Jimmy, how you going, mate? Yes, I'm good, mate. Uh, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm very well. Excited to be here as I am every single week. Um, huge thank you to all our listeners who have given us some fantastic feedback on the last couple of episodes. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, it makes us even more excited to come and give you more, hopefully, decent quality content every week. Chew more fat with each other. So, Chris, how's your week been, mate? My week's been okay, mate. Um, there's not a lot of exciting going on at the minute, given what's happening in Melbourne, mate. But we did get some good news today. I think the uh, the next stage of easing restrictions has been pushed forward a week. Mm, yep. I'm, um, I'm hoping that we can have someone in the house for, for grand final day, given we won't be able to go to the MCG this year. But um, yeah, hopefully we're uh, we're not too far off somewhat normality and be able to leave our five Ks. Interesting that you say that because being a Cats fan, I don't know if uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys. Generally end up at the MCG uh, in what are we in October? Yeah, I don't think you've ever been in the MCG in October, unlike uh, my boys. So you know October premieres four years ago. Uh, you know the planets seem to be aligning a little bit more this year. Grand final in October. Just saying. Look, the cats are good at losing prelims, mm. Um, mm. but yeah, we'll not as good as we were in the later two thousands. We uh, yeah. we lost a few. You know, ironically to St Kilda as well. So that's a job. This time next week, hopefully we are sitting here. Both our teams have gone through, and it doesn't feel like finals. Almost footy does to it? Talk about almost doesn't feel like finals. There's no Melbourne just doesn't have that buzz, and mm. I reckon this pre-finals buy it does that. It just loses that momentum a little bit. To be honest, if there was no pre-finals buy, there'd be no Aaron Norton this week. So I'm <laughs> telling you, I'd go the pre-finals buy. I'm all for it, and it also wants that flag. I'll let you know. So I uh, I do get what you mean, though, mate. But I think you know, like you said. We still are in lockdown and we still are unable to sort of walk the streets and celebrate, you know, football wins as a community at the moment. So I think it does feel like it has that weird air. There isn't quite a buzz like there is each year. The um, Probably the bigger reason why I don't like the pre-finals buy is Geelong have a very bad habit of losing ah. after a buy, which leads us into our topic for today. That is a great segue. Well done, Chris. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> Mate. What is our topic today? Habits. Yes, so good. <laughs> so both good and bad habits we're going to talk about, not just bad habits. Um, Geelong have also made a very good habit of having a fantastic winning culture for many years now, <laughs> even though we can't win off a buy, off a buy but we'll see how we go against Port next week. Now, the reason why we're talking about this, or probably the thing that's, that's motivated us to talk about this, is the fact that you are massive on habits, um, fostering good habits and eliminating bad habits in your own life and most importantly in your business and with your clients, JY. So I'd love to hear from you to start with, mate, um, how you sort of define habits and, and talk to us about why they're so important. Yeah, so good habits, um, 
Uh, pretty much what I would what I would say are the key pillars and foundations of success. Um, and I'm not talking about success in life. I'm talking in regards to um, you know whether it's learning a skill or setting up a business or um, you know any any sort of um, you know positive outcome that you want to achieve. Habits are what's going to set you on the path to get there. And then vice versa, obviously, overcoming bad habits that are going to, um, you know, set us back in our, in our journey to, you know, success in whatever endeavour that is. Um, and with this lockdown, I think it's made a, um, it's brought habits, you know, really to the spotlight in the sense that we're, you know, we don't have access to gyms. And oh, okay, I'll talk in a training sense. We don't have access to gyms. Our um, exercise regimes have been, you know, thrown on the head a little bit. Um, and online coaching has become a massive thing. So for me and my clients, setting up habits, both positive, uh, well, sorry, positive, setting up positive habits and, um, you know, highlighting negative habits that we might all have and how we can, you know, put them in the bin um, has been a huge focus, has been an enormous focus. Um, and it actually kind of came around after reading James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And I know you've read that, Chris. I have, mate. Yeah, it was uh, your recommendation. I've read that during lockdown. Absolute fantastic read. And I, um, I recommend anybody listening to this podcast gets on um, Atomic Habits. I've gifted it to a fair few people, and it's a uh, it's a very practical book where James goes, you know, in depth on what habits are and actually how you can create. And I love the word he used before, foster good habits. I really like that word. Um, but he describes habits as the small decisions that you make and the actions that you perform every day, um, and they account for roughly forty percent of our daily behaviours. So when it comes to, you know, subconsciously, um, you know, going through our days, well, habits are sort of the, you know, they're the cornerstone of what we do. If we are, you know, someone who wakes up first thing in the morning and has a habit of checking our phone, well, you know, that's, that, that is, whether it's a good or a bad habit, that is the first habit that you partake in the day. Um, so Chris... Think discussing habits here. Why do you think habits are so important? Look, to me, and in my professional life particularly, I think there's always this this sort of big, um, almost debate or, or match or like oh, there's these two sides that are always competing, and those two sides are habits and motivation. Mm. And motivation is sexy, and habits aren't right like people always talk about motivation they talk about you know oh, I'm so motivated to get shredded for summer I'm so motivated to get on top of my physical health now or I'm so motivated to do this or to do that um, and a lot of our clients you know come to us because they're motivated they come to you because they want to put on size or get stronger or lose weight or whatever they may be and they come to me because they're motivated to get rid of their aches or pains or improve their physical health or whatever whatever the case may be and the thing with motivation is while it's fantastic to you know we often need motivation to start to you know go down the path way of achieving something that we want to achieve whether it's health and fitness related or otherwise motivation in every single human being on the planet comes and goes and we always run out of motivation at some point in time and it's when motivation you know ceases or, or starts to drop that we need to really rely on habits and like you said habits are the small things that essentially make us be successful in whatever it may be and that might be successful in you know as you said starting a business health and fitness it might be successful in completing a jigsaw puzzle like whatever it is Habits are the things that over time will make us successful. Motivation won't because motivation always comes and goes. It's a conversation that I have with my clients all the time because in the acute phase when they're injured or they're in pain, the motivation is there because they've got a sore neck or a sore knee or a sore shoulder and that's a constant reminder that you know that's their motivation because they want to get rid of that, right? But 
in you know how many weeks down the track, they've done all their rehab, they've seen me for treatment, they've gotten better, they lose the motivation to do the things that got them better in the first place. And I always have that conversation when I'm discharging a client is that, you know, it's great that you're motivated to do this, you've got to the point where you want to be, but do we want to continue and maintain this optimal physical health or do we want to let it come back? And the human nature response is the motivation drops, they stop the good habits of completing their rehab and doing the things that got them to the stage where they're pain free or they're back playing sport. And then in a week or six weeks or six months, there she comes back, right? And I think that's the link between short-term success, motivation is great for, and long-term success, habits are absolutely key. Mm. Oh, yeah, I agree with everything you said just there. I think the same, sort of on the same token, when it comes to training, when you look at the best, that like whether it's in sport or whether it's in powerlifting or you know whether it's just the best physiques that you've seen, the... The, it, it, it's no coincidence that the people who generally succeed and are at the top of the uh, top of the podium are the ones that have good habits and that might you know it might sound so simple that these people build you know almost a little arsenal of good habits and that that's you know to that that's the contributor to their success but it literally is that simple like if you are able to consciously um well sorry if you're able to consciously set up your subconscious to you know help you through the day performing things that just just happen so say brushing your teeth is an example of a habit we don't really think of it we just know you know actually we've been over you brushing your teeth chris and i'm still really confused as to why you don't wear the toothbrush but uh, yeah, so I don't know if this is a good one for you. I think you should probably take a good hard look at yourself there first. You do you and I'll do me, mate. Mate, um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I don't want to do you, so... <laughs> when, um, when it comes to brushing your teeth, when you wake up in the morning, you get up. You get in there, you wet the toothbrush, just confirming, um, and then you brush your teeth. You don't think about it, okay? Just like when you go to bed, you brush your teeth, get to bed, wake up next day, and repeat, rinse, rinse and repeat. There you go. But when we um, look six months down the track, we've got white teeth. We've got a healthy smile. Okay? And it's the same with training in the sense that the, sh- the sessions that you show up to, the sessions that you put in the work, you know, coming down to people who you know, track their calories each day, if you're focusing on your protein, if you're getting enough sleep, if you're, like you said, if you're performing rehab for an injury that you potentially have, these habits are the little pieces of that each day that you perform, which end up six months in the future six years in the future, however long it is, building up into that huge, you know, let's call it success. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah. So, yeah. The, um, I wanted to touch on that. The, the brushing your teeth example, <clears throat> it's, it's so simple, but it's, it's, it's so true. Um, and I think it's a really great example of there's an underlying motivation while we brush our teeth, right? And it might be we want to have, you know, white teeth or it might be we want to have fresh breath or whatever. To be honest, it's probably because when we were five years old, your mum and dad told you to do it or the dentist told you to do it. And that's the motivation, right? So there's a motivation to get that action started, but the motivation is not there every day, right? We don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, how good is today going to be? Because I can't wait to brush my teeth because when I have fresh breath and white teeth, I'm so motivated to do that. Speak we don't. yourself there, mate. Hey, maybe you do, but we don't, right? We do it because it's a habit. Okay, and that's the perfect example that it's a, it's a very simple habit that there's a you know there's an underlying motivation, but the motivation is not there every day. Yet we do it anyway in the absence of that motivation. Um, and it's a great example, and it's one that I use for my clients as well when they're trying to form habits. For example, in my field, to complete rehab exercises to you know help them recover from injury or prevent further injuries. I'm going to say, well, you know, 
there's no reason why you can't make this a habit every day because there's already habits that you have and you do every day. And they're like, well, maybe there's not. And I'm like, well, do you brush your teeth every day? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Do you get dressed every day? Yeah, absolutely. Do you eat every day? Yeah, you do. Do you, you know, any of those things that you do every single day, they're habits, right? Um, and, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about now how we can form good habits and strategies around forming good habits. And, and one of them is, is what we call habit stacking, where we're literally linking a habit that we want to have because we've, you know, we've got this newfound motivation to achieve something with something that we already do. And the brushing the teeth is a perfect example. If we want to, you know, do three minutes of rehab exercise to fix your shoulder and you can't find a time to do it every day, you can do habit stacking by linking it to when you're brushing your teeth. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're wanting to work out and, and go to a gym session, you can stack that onto another, you know, another preseason habit that you're doing every day, whether it's linking it to a meal before or after dinner or before or after breakfast, um, and bunching these, you know, habits that we desire that we want because we're motivated to achieve something else into something that we're already doing, that we've already incorporated probably in our subconscious in our everyday life. And the other really um, important thing when it comes to habit stacking is you can use like that sort of reward um, mechanism where you stack the habits such as, say, you know, brushing your teeth with a... Actually, brushing your teeth is probably not a good habit. It's a, not a good example here, but something positive with, you know, something that you reward yourself with. So... For example, I am currently learning Spanish. So since the start of lockdown, I um, made a, I set a goal for me to do Spanish every single day. And some people would say, cool, awesome, you're 24 hours in a day, surely you'd just get the half an hour of Spanish in there. Well, if it was that simple, then everyone would be doing it, yeah? And the first couple of months, yeah, motivation is there to learn Spanish. Then after the, you know, the couple of months subside, the motivation starts to dwindle, and then it comes down to the fact that I place my Spanish lessons on my morning walk when I go to get my coffee. So I've put three things together there. The habit that I want to build and incorporate into my day every single day is the Spanish lesson, okay? The walk is a very therapeutic activity for me every morning. I love getting my steps up, I love getting outside, whether it's raining or it's sunny or whatever it is. And the coffee's kind of like, that's the cherry on top. Obviously not for you, mate, because you drink milkshakes. But the <laughs> coffee for me is like, I know that if I do the Spanish lesson, I get a coffee. And if I don't do that Spanish lesson, I don't get a, I, I'm not going to walk down the street and get a coffee. And I think that's probably the, the, the greatest success you can do. Because you can set up habits and just have habit and habit and habit and you know look to build all these fantastic positive habits. But to begin with, the motivation is the biggest factor. You'll do it. You know, you want to learn to juggle, we'll do 10 minutes of juggling every day, but you'll eventually get sick of juggling. So you've got to find something that you can generally pair these habits with that's positive. And it's not as simple as like, well, it could be as simple as, you know, you do the habit, you get a cookie, but, you know, you, you look at it in the sense that you want to have some form of reward mechanism at the end of it. And for some people as well, the reward could just be that habit. You know, so training, for example. that It sounds cliche, but they always say, you know, you're not always going to be motivated to train. And at the end of the session, there's always that cliche that's like, you know, you never regret that workout. You know, there's all, you know, like the Mona Jane active where it's got like the best workouts, the workout you completed. Mm. Like, but it's true. Like sometimes that habit of working out, mm. you don't need a reward with it. You just do have to put in the effort. Mm. And the positive outcome is the fact that you've completed that mm. habit. And then six months down the track, you're just jacked and shredded and, <laughs> you know, just an absolute god. So... 
that's what I think a very important thing when it comes to habit stacking. Yeah, absolutely. And we've sort of touched on inadvertently the um, you know, in James Clear's book Atomic Habits, he he has four laws of how basically how to create a good habit. Um, one of the laws is making it obvious, and habit stacking makes it obvious because if we can link it to something we're already doing, well, then it's obvious that we you know it's easy to do at that part of the day, right? Making it attractive is the second law, and like you said, giving yourself some sort of reward afterwards um, to you know pair an action or, or habit with something that you want to do with something that you really enjoy so if that's getting a coffee after you do your 10 push-ups to go for a morning walk well mm, yeah. that's going to make it more attractive right that could even be um, you know if you're doing something in pairs or with a group of mates or in some sort of group um, it's more attractive if you're, you're achieving success together if you're just doing it yourself making it easy is another law um, and making it easy might be you know if you you said juggling mate if, if, if you want to you know, practice juggling every day, well, then you got to put your juggling balls, you know, somewhere that's super simple that as soon as you walk home, you know, in your point of view that it's easy and it's straight mm. there, right? Like, your, your toothbrush are... is generally sitting next to the tap mm. in the bathroom and yeah. you almost can't miss it when all... I am, yeah. um, but you generally can't miss it when you walk in the bathroom. So it's a perfect example. We make it easy for ourselves you to put don't the toothbrush often there. You forget to brush your teeth. And yeah. I have some people who forget to take medication. Like, um... You know, whether it's simple medication, like a multivitamin or something, I'll, you know, generally say to them to leave mm. the capsule or the container next to the tap, next to their toothbrush. Mm. And that's another example of habit stacking in itself, is it's your first habit is the brushing the teeth, but you're also then going to take your multivitamin, which is the other positive habit, habit, the other positive habit that you want to perform as well. So you brush your teeth, you take your multivitamin. And you know what that actually ends up becoming? A routine. Mm. And a routine is probably, you know, that consistent stretch where you perform positive habits which build into the successes. Absolutely. And the one, the fourth law that we sort of just didn't mention there is also making it satisfying, which at the end of the day, if we're, if we're motivated to, to do something for some sort of action, we want to create a habit to, to outlast that motivation, well then the outcome of completing that habit should be satisfying in itself because whether it's exercising, the, the, satisfa- the satisfying part will be you've lost weight, you're stronger, you feel better, you've got more confidence if it's, you know, Juggling 10 minutes every day, you're going to be better at juggling. If it's doing your rehab exercises, you're going to be pain-free by the end of it. Um, or, yeah, as we said as well, you know, making it satisfying by giving yourself some sort of reward mechanism at uh, the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, And then also, like you touched on there, those four laws. Um, we're going to touch briefly on bad habits um, and how you can cease bad habits. And, you know, there's this one thing I like to sort of, my little change to the whole good habit, bad habit thing is I like to say that there's almost like a 2A and a 2B when it comes to bad habits. It's more so not so productive habits and then generally like bad habits. So like, you know, a bad habit would be like not going out in the, uh, well, sorry, going out in the sun or in sunscreen if you know you're going to burn. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a silly habit. And there'd be not as productive habits which are like, maybe watching an episode of something on Netflix when there could potentially be work to do. So it's that, it's not a habit that's going to kill you long term. Like it's, you know, might delay progress in a certain area, but it's also, it's not catastrophic. And we don't want to be super black and white sometimes in the sense that these habits are great because I'm success, success, success. And then these habits are bad because, you know, negatively, like it's just, this is ruining my progress because I think that does put a lot of pressure on us. I mean, it does get to a point where it's like, you can continue to do all these good habits, but then anything that doesn't go in your good habit basket then would be a bad habit, yeah? Which is why I like to break it into the two, where it's like habits that are just like, they're just, 
They're like, yeah, it's like eating cookies. Like, yeah, it's not the world's greatest habit, but it's like long term, it's going to kill you. Well, depends on the cookies you're having, but <laughs> Potentially. probably not. And then on top of that, those, well, which I'll, uh, I'll throw to you, those four laws of, you know, how to make habits attractive and how to stack them there. What do we do to uh, get rid of bad habits, Chris? Well, it's literally the opposite. So if we talked about the first one is making it obvious, well, making it not obvious. You know, if 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 being on your phone is, is the bad habit that you want to see, and your phone's right next to you all day, we'll put it in a different room. It's not obvious. You're not going to think about it as much. If if eating cookies is the thing and you've got a cookie jar on your on your desk or on your in the front of your kitchen as soon as you walk to the door, well, hiding it away in a cupboard is going to be very, very difficult. Um, you know, making it making it unattractive and, and you know, we talk about making it attractive and pairing it with something that you want to do. Yeah. You know, maybe making it unattractive pairing it with something that you don't want to do. I mm. don't have a great example of that, but um, and making it difficult as well. So examples of making it difficult would be, you know, for example, if you want to limit your phone use um, or your social media use, for example, every time you get off the Instagram app, you know, instead of just getting off it, you might log out. So then you it's going to be a little bit harder to log in next time because you've got to actually put in your details rather than just open the app. That's going to make it a little bit more difficult. It's going to create a bit of friction between you and that bad habit, potentially. Um, you know, there's... I know there's parents who want to make it difficult for their kids to spend lots of time playing PlayStation, playing games, for example, and to make that a difficult habit for them, they won't keep it, you know, neatly tucked away at the bottom of the TV where they can just open it. They'll completely unplug the PlayStation, put it in a different room of the house in a high cupboard behind three or four different things not impossible to do but it makes it a lot more difficult to achieve that bad habit um but i think the other one is just keeping yourself accountable so we're sort of making it satisfying making it unsatisfying you know make it make a um you know a deal with your friend or your partner or your mum or your dad or whatever to say that you know every time that i'm going to complete this bad habit that i'm trying to break i'm going to tell you about it and then i'm not satisfied because i've got to you know i'm accountable to you um you know it's 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 a big one in my field and your field is that we've got clients who are accountable to us and that I suppose makes it satisfying because when they're completing all their good habits, they can come to you, JY, and be like, yeah, I nailed my sessions this week, I nailed my calories, I nailed all my steps. How satisfying is that, right? And in the inverse, if someone's got to come to me and they've got an appointment in two weeks and they haven't done any of their rehab exercises or haven't followed the advice that I've given them, it's very unsatisfying because they're accountable to me and they've got to come and say, hey, you know what, I actually didn't listen to you. How unsatisfying mm-hmm. that is that? Right, so keeping yourself accountable to someone else is a great way as well as making good habits satisfying and making bad habits unsatisfying. Absolutely, and it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who, you know, is trying to build the same habits as you. It can literally be a family member, a friend, a partner, you know, um, anybody who you just use to make sure that you can keep each other accountable. That accountability partner concept. Yeah, the biggest one for me and the the thing that I use in my everyday life to implement habits that I want to implement is simply having a list and having it documented. So I think we spoke about on the mental health episode, one of my habits that I've wanted to achieve this year is to do a 10-minute meditation every single day. And it's all well and good to say, yeah, I'm going to do this 10-minute meditation every day. And you know what? My motivation was there at the start because I think that's going to be great for my mental health and make me feel better every day. Um, But that motivation isn't going to be there every day when I can't be bothered doing it, right? So I've simply got a list in the notes in my phone with every day of the week and I write down this is the meditation that I've done that day and, and sort of tick it at the end. Mm. And that to itself holds myself accountable to me um, and makes it really obvious that I have to do that. And that's really powerful um, for me in my life. And it's the same deal with, I suppose, training in the gym. You know, if you're sort of just rocking up to sessions and, you know, not really having a plan, well, it's easy to budge a little bit, skip a workout or whatever. Whereas if I've got that 
written down if I'm recording and measuring my workouts and you know working with a coach who you've outlined your training programs for three days a week and you've got six exercises and three sets of each exercise to do on a Tuesday well it's all written down there it's going to make it a lot easier to follow because it's there and it's like it's 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 this big obvious thing that you've got to tick that box because if you don't you're going to feel worse for it right whereas if that wasn't there if you didn't have that plan it's easy to say you know what stuff training today you know, I can't be bothered. I don't have motivation, right? And not rely on that as a habit. Mm. And I think the checklist system as well, um, which you touched on briefly before, is like unbelievably underrated. The idea of actually physically writing down pen and paper um, the habits that you want to you know, want to implement every day or like the things that you want to achieve each day, the, like, the whole concept of like writing it down and taking it off, writing it down and taking it off is or crossing it off or whatever is like mentally to the brain is it, it, it's golden. I'd love to know the science behind that because I'm sure some psychologist would be able to tell us. Yeah, that I, some ma- amazing feedback loop that satisfies. How satisfying yeah. is ticking something off a checklist? Yeah, it's, it, that's definitely something. I'm like, once we once we're able to have some guests on this show, once we can um, start to catch up. Um, with people and interview them, I think um, the you know that would be one of the first questions I'd ask someone in that field because the the hit of like motivation you feel to take shit off is insane and it's I know you're doing the gratitude diary as well um, the resilience projects gratitude di- I can't speak gratitude diary um, how good do you feel after not just obviously the actual work within the diary but once you take it off you close the book. And then you get to bed or whatever you do before bed. Mm. Um, how good do you feel having ticked something off that you've physically written in? Like the idea of writing down is brilliant. I write down every... So for me as an example, getting to bed and um, getting up early has been a big focus for me. Because obviously with lockdown, my working hours change. So you know, as lockdown has gone on, there's been some days where I just haven't had to be up early. I haven't had specific work. Well... When it comes to, you know, the life that I want to live, I want to be someone who's an early riser um, and not someone who's going to bed late all the time. So I actually write down in a little journal next to my bed what time I have put everything aside to go to sleep. And then in the morning, I write exactly the time that I've woken up before I even check my phone. I've got a little clock in the corner of my room. I look at that clock, write the time down that I'm getting up or whatever my alarm's gone off time I've snoozed it till because sometimes that does happen um, and that idea of writing it down without sounding you know too cliche here it does manifest it does it is a powerful tool to be able to then turn around and uh, and feel like you've accomplished something and like not even to you know not even just that but you've got data as well and that's another important thing is the fact that you know if you are writing down these habits you want to perform and you notice you know a big one for you that you want to do is ride a bike every day and you notice that only two of the seven days of the week you're riding a bike, well, is that habit really important to you? Well, actually, there you go. Is the habit actually a really important one for you? You know, say I was only doing two days of Spanish instead of seven and I was like, oh, I've got to do seven days of Spanish. It's like, sit down and ask yourself, is that an actual important habit to you? Or are you making that habit difficult to perform? Do you need to look at, you know, some other, you know, whether it's stacking or making it more attractive or do you focus on, you know, getting rid of some bad habits surrounding that that's stopping you from doing it. But actually being able to write this shit down gives you data and it was also a powerful tool to be able to, you know, manifest it. I really like that, JY, and I, I think 
leads me to I've got two probably quick points I want to make um, before we sort of wrap up here and move on to the Q&A's you touched on a morning routine and getting up at the same time and that sort of thing at the moment now a lot of people with it, what we're going through especially in Melbourne are unemployed or working from home and can't go to the gym and can't see their mates or their family our normal routines are thrown completely out of whack and sometimes you know we don't need to we're talking about habits here but good habits don't need to be to help us to you know create a worldwide successful business or um, have a podcast that's trending in eight countries or you know run a marathon like it doesn't matter it can be very small goals and I think we've got to be a little bit more realistic in the minute and say you know what if we're just if what we're achieving for the day is getting up out of bed at the same time and making the bed like how good's that? Mm. Tick. Well done. That's okay. That's an achievement for the day. Rather than snoozing your alarm eight times, you know, lazing around in bed and feeling pretty crappy about yourself, you know? So setting really small goals, I think, is really important. And I said, that can be as simple as getting up when your alarm goes off um, and making the bed. It can start the day incredibly well, right? And there's a few things that we can do to make that attractive. You know, you might set your alarm to a really good uplifting song, one of your favorite songs, and you know, yes, I'm dreading waking up in the morning because I don't have a lot of motivation for life because COVID's getting me down a little bit, but if you've got a really great song that's going to lift you up in the morning, you're more likely to get up out of bed, right? Um, and if you can get up and make your bed, for example, how much better are you going to feel about the day and you're already productive and you've ticked something off your to-do list and it's going to you know, set you on a great path going forward, right? Have you seen the um, Make Your Bed video? No. Okay, so I've got to find it. Um, it's this... He's like a colonel or like a um, lieutenant or whatever. And he like explains in a TED talk about he's like, every good day starts by making your bed. And he's like, that's what they do in barracks and things like that. They make you, well, they, they force you to make the bed because that habit is the first positive habit you do. You're looking after your quarters. You're putting respect into the first thing that you do in the day. And if you think about it, like you just said, like you make your bed, then the next habit you do might be to do some yoga, to do some meditation, and then it goes from there. Mm. So yeah, really interesting video though. Yeah, and the last thing I want to say is, I sort of just touched on briefly, is having really, really small goals. Like, as I said, right now, we don't need to be taking over the world. We don't need to be running marathons. We don't need to be getting as shredded as possible if we don't want to. If a habit that we're trying to achieve is to be active, we'll make the goal to do literally 10 push-ups, right? Rather than an hour of exercise, do 10 push-ups. And that's a start, right? And then you're more likely to continue and do more, okay? If you've got, you know, you've got a goal tomorrow that I want to run 10Ks and you wake up in the morning and go, geez, I can't bother running 10Ks, I'm unlikely to do that, right? Because your motivation is lacking. Make your goal to run 500 meters, okay? And, it's, and if you want to stop there, well, at least you've done something, right? But you're more likely once you've started to then go and continue. If you want to be more mindful and prioritize your mental health and do a meditation every day, mm. don't tell yourself you're going to do half an hour of meditation. Say, I'm going to sit down and meditate for two minutes because that's easy, right? It's realistic. It's a very, very small goal, but we're far more likely to then go, cool, I've ticked off that goal. You get that you know, almost reward process in your brain that says, how satisfying that I've ticked that off and you're more likely to continue mm. and achieve what it is that you're actually trying to achieve rather than being really hard on yourself, setting these really big goals at the moment, which is might be unrealistic because our, our routines have all been thrown out the window um, and then feeling bad of yourself because you haven't ticked that off. Let's be realistic, set really, really small goals, get in habits of doing that. Um, and I think as far as momentum to achieve what you want to achieve and feel better about yourself and you know, I said whatever habits it is you're trying to implement, I think that's really, really powerful. One um, one technique I use, so um, something that Lynn Purcell put me on to, um, the great man himself, uh, the Pomodoro technique. So for anyone who doesn't know what the Pomodoro technique is, it's where you set yourself a like a half hour slot to like let's say work or read a book or play guitar and you perform that task for 25 minutes with a five minute break. So, like you said, they're like splitting things. If you can't meditate or 
you know, do something for half an egg or for five minutes. Well, the same can be said for something from, like I'll, I often when I'm working can have six tasks that I'm working on and I might have seven, eight, nine different tabs open on my computer for three different businesses that I'm sitting there going, I've got to get all this done today and nothing actually gets done because I'm trying to do them all at once. One of the most successful things that I've found probably in the past month or so is to sit down and do 25 minutes of a specific task, break for five minutes, and that break could be to go make some food, it could be to check the phone, it could be to do whatever, and then after that five minutes is done, phone gets flipped over or put away or whatever it is, uh, and then I, I start the next task and do 25 minutes on it. Um, and if you think about it this way, like if you're writing a book, or if, if, you, if you question where the first place you can start when you're writing a book would be, well, set 25 minutes aside and you know work on working your title page or you know whatever it is and yeah. like I said I find that the Pomodoro technique has been huge for me and it doesn't have to be 25 minutes of a 5 minute break it's the concept of sort of that like work and rest yeah. and it's you know a bit of a metaphor of training there you know like if you if you want to look at it that way you could potentially do 5 minutes of something and then 5 minutes of rest or whatever it might be but um the Pomodoro technique Pomodoro I, like technique. I actually hadn't heard about that yeah it's a really really handy one I've found cool. that's worked like really well for me and for a lot of people that I um that I've recommended it to so I do thank Lyndon for that one he uh he put me onto that it's awesome and it reminds me of something called the Parkinson's law which I don't know if you're familiar with Parkinson's law and might have the exact way to say this quite wrong is essentially a task will take up as much time as you dedicate to it mm-hmm. so essentially if you allow yourself an hour to if you I don't know if you're writing a book to write a chapter it's going to take you an hour mm-hmm. if you only allow yourself twenty five minutes you're going to get it done in that time mm-hmm. right and you know this is probably you know, if we're talking about forming good habits. It's also probably productivity. We might be going off track a little bit, um, but yeah, that's it's fantastic, mate. That technique, like you're saying, giving yourself that time. If you give yourself that time, that's how long it's going to take you to do whatever it is because you're dedicated to that, and that's a really great way to make good productivity a good habit as well. We work to deadlines really well, as a um, you know, just biologically. Mm. Like that's just how we work. And if you if you look at it in the sense that if I said to someone who I'm coaching, I want you to do as many push-ups as you can. Well, there's like, let's say the sky's the limit, just do as many push-ups, max push-ups, which is one of my favorite um, ways of giving people uh, or prescribing push-ups, but who knows how many they can do. Okay, one day they might do 20, the next day they might do, you know, 50, they might do 30, three, whatever it is, but because there's no ceiling on it, it's kind of like, how long does it take? It can continue to keep going forever. You know, they might just stop at 20 because they're a bit lazy, whatever it is. But if you distinctly say, give me 12 push-ups, Generally, people within reason, whatever they you know, what they can complete is, they'll get to that number. And generally, the last couple will be a little bit tough. Um, the last one will be, you know, they'll put a bit of strain into it, and then they'll have finished their twelve reps or something. We generally just work better to deadlines, and it's the same sense. If I say, "Hey, Chris, here's the guitar. Play guitar." You might muck around with it for a little bit. You might do, you know. 17 minutes of something stupid, you might play a song, you might do some scales. But if I say, okay, Chris, here is, I want you to do 10 minutes of guitar, I want you to give me 10 minutes of scales. You'll give 10 minutes of scales and you'll, you know, you'll build on that each time you perform that task. And that's why I think things like the Pomodoro technique or these different, you know, sort of like like splitting time frame techniques for habits or for skills or whatever it can be, um, are so powerful because it kind of, it, it, it's almost like it gives you the task. It, 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 you, you've, you know what you've got to do or how long you've got to achieve it. So I recommend that for everybody. 
Nice, mate. Um, fantastic uh, chat here, JY. Love it as always. I think um, I'd love to hear this chat today. Too. Was it a bit more serious? I like it. Was um, it a bit more serious than we usually are? Sorry to the people who <laughs> were expecting a, a couple of gags there. We, We've got a great one coming up at the end. Um, we will go on to the, the Q&A. Um, we've got a couple of, uh, just a couple of really important questions from our listeners. Um, All questions are important. Well, that's true. Did you want to roll with the first one? Well, Jazz Malloy has uh, written to us and he said, what's the best recovery technique post-training and or day after training, Chris? The best recovery technique. This could be a whole podcast episode, I reckon, because mm. I could rant and rave about this all day, but I'm going to keep it very, very simple. Covering, yeah. There's 101 different recovery techniques and we're talking compression, massage, foam rolling, spiky balls, ice baths, theraguns, compression pants, mm. um, any of these things, and these all might have their place and they all might make you feel a little bit better, um, but they're all secondary to getting a very good night's sleep. The evidence, the science is so overwhelming that the single best and most important recovery technique to recover from your training to in, you know, increase the return to optimal performance to decrease the risk of injuries is sleep. Um, sleep's a tough one. There's no exact science on how we get a great night's sleep and there's no perfect recommendation. Generally, the guidelines say we should be aiming for somewhere between seven to nine hours, but that's gotta be absolutely your number one priority. Your second priority behind sleep is hydration and nutrition. And that's simply drinking enough water to replace the amount of fluid that you've lost during sweat and eating enough calories, getting enough protein and enough carbohydrates to replace the fuel that you've lost and make sure we've got, as I said, enough protein to stimulate that sort of muscle protein synthesis and make sure our muscles are recovering from exercise. So sleep, number one. Nutrition, number two. Anything else you choose as a one percenter after that, go nuts. It's an honor to listen to you, mate. That was was an unbelievable answer. I'm proud. (laughs) Um, Georgia wants to know, what bad habits did you both find that held you back in the early days of your businesses? Mm, Good question. Do you want to start? Really, really, really good question, Georgia. Um, For me, it would uh, probably be procrastination. So sort of similar to what I said before about um, like some of the the Pomodoro techniques sort of stuff. I would find that... um, First of all, I didn't really know what I was doing when I set up uh, when I set up Equinox because I knew how to train and coach people, but I had no idea how to you know do all the back end stuff. So that was all stuff that I had to learn. Um, and there were days where I really would just leave things. God, I, like I'd really just put tasks to the end, try to like you know I'd set myself an hour to do work or something between clients, and it'd be the last five minutes I'd get anything done, and it was just literally nothing else other than procrastination so i built techniques to be able to improve that you know things like the pomodoro technique and um stuff that with my phone deleting certain apps off it and things like that to not distract me you know putting um block things on my computer to you know window the usage of certain sites um and that gave me a better almost like foundation to then be able to uh to get shit done and stop procrastinating so Chris, what about yourself, mate? What was the bad habit that you found you? Uh, I reckon my biggest yeah. one, and oh, it's, I don't know if I've got a better word for it, but probably perfectionism. And that, oh, I hesitate to say that because it makes me sound a little bit arrogant, I think. But what, what I mean by that is any task that I do, I wanted it to be perfect before I implemented it. Um, the biggest example I can think of was with social media posts, for example, mm-hmm. when I was starting my business and <laughs> getting on Facebook and Instagram to market myself, I'd spend hours and hours, you know, getting the wording of the post absolutely perfect mm-hmm. with, with the fear that someone would pull it apart. Um, you know, even marketing techniques, I'd make sure that if I was sending letters to doctors or dealing with marketing companies, every single strategy that I did was absolutely perfect before I went and did it. Whereas 
in terms of business or in terms of life in general, I think the best time to do anything is now. Um, and if you do something that's not perfect, well, that's great because you're going to learn from it and you're not going to make the same mistake twice. And there's content that I've you know, put out on my socials five years ago when I started the business that I look back now and I probably disagree with. And that's okay because as a professional, I develop and I change my mind and, um, you know, develop yeah that's 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 what happens you know you develop over time and the same thing with different treatment techniques i might not implement a certain rehab exercise or a rehab protocol or treatment technique because i wasn't absolutely perfect or confident in it but that's how you learn doing things right now if you make mistakes cool whatever that's the perfect way to learn and to develop and i think that was a really bad habit for me and i think i I probably could have been where i am now a lot earlier um if i wasn't worried about that you know everything being perfect so much and a big um thing that comes with perfectionism i think as well as comparison I think a lot of the time, like we look at, especially in our industries where there are a lot of, you know, very highly, uh, highly successful and highly educated, you know, coaches, physios, um, you know, people out there that sometimes we can compare ourselves to these, you know, different um, people in our quest to be perfect, mm-hmm. and that can put a lot of pressure on us. And I think you summed that up really nicely in the in, in the way that you said you got to learn, and that's exactly what these people did. You know what I mean? You can't, no one is perfect. You can't be perfect. You, no one becomes the, you know, the ultimate social media guru from the first post that they write. Just like the first ever person that I coached was probably, probably, you know, <laughs> if I was doing that now, I wouldn't have many clients. You know what I mean? And that's not to say that now that I'm, you know, uh, I was inherently a bad coach. It's just, I wasn't where I'm at now. Just like we all are in our specific fields. And so. something that something that really changed my mind from this, I suppose, perfectionism attitude, where it would you know delay productivity and, and delay mm. progress, was um, I heard a quote, and I'm not going to steal your quote of the week because I know you've got a great one coming up, um, which yeah. was which was leave everything a little better than you found it. And I think that was great because I'm like, well, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be better. And today I need to be slightly better than yesterday. And then. Next week can be slightly better today, but it's not going to be perfect. But if we're always striving for that process, that's really important. And that's, you know, I mean, it leads back into what we've been speaking about for the last 40 minutes in terms of habits is that your habits don't have to be perfect. We don't need to set up perfect habits to be able to run a marathon or lift 400 kilos tomorrow. But if if what we're doing is, you know, 1% better than yesterday, that's okay. And that's over time, like you said, that's, that, that's what leads to success in whatever we're trying to achieve success in whatever sort of facet of life is. It's just that progress, leaving things a little better than you found it rather than aiming for perfection or setting these really massive, unrealistic goals all the time. It's compound interest. Like, it really is. Like, if you want to learn how to finger pick on a guitar, like, the first time you do it again, you're not going to be good at it. But each time you do it, you get a little bit better, spend a little bit extra time on those things. You do, you know eventually start to uh, see some progress so love it mate um i'll love some words of wisdom to take us out jay what right. a quote for us mate so my quote of the week this week is a uh, it was actually a parisian political slogan um and i found this one in a book that i'm reading called ego is the enemy by Ryan holiday um and it is vivre sans temps mort which is uh translated to live without wasted time so we're sitting here talking about habits and discussing the, uh, the you know the building of good habits and how we can um, you know subconsciously set ourselves up for success. Um, and I believe that the you know we are saving ourselves a great deal of time in the long run by you know implementing good habits and building you know routines and consistent uh, schedules with these good habits. And uh, therefore, I believe that we will waste a whole lot less time if we do put the effort into this stuff. So. That's my quote. 
Wow. Going international for international listeners, are you? I, uh, I wonder if our uh, French listeners in Paris heard that because they, uh, yeah, shout out to you guys. I personally only speak English, so I'm, I'm glad you translated that for us, mate. Live without wasted time. I well, do like it. <laughs> you know what? I actually think I'm probably butched as well. So, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely not my strong point, my bogan, high voiced accent. So, joke of the week, Chris, please. Oh, God. Here we go. What What's that reaction for? Just um, just get on, get on with it. On. I can t- I can tell you're already judging me, and I can tell that you already you already want to <laughs> criticise my jokes. But I've got I've got some advice in the form of a joke for you today. Oh, that's that's no. perfect the way that you've responded to this. <laughs> Jy, before you criticise someone, walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticise them, you'll be a mile away, and you'll have their shoes. <laughs>